I'm Julie. Welcome to Mom Made Plans Podcast, where we talk about the ultimate life hack of self-awareness plus intentional living. It's an empowering journey, but don't worry. I keep you humble by remembering God is in control. And I have an amazing episode for you guys today. It is a longer one with a guest, but it is so worth it. So break it up into sections if you need to. Um, We've got author Kurt Bennett on, and we're talking about the topic of the five love languages, um, which originated from Gary Chapman. And you may not have ever heard of these, or you may have. Um, And I will say, even if you've heard of the five love languages, you've never heard it like this from the lens of Jesus and how we show love to one another. It is an incredible tool that I cannot recommend enough um, to know about yourself and others and to actually feel loved and to help others feel truly loved as well. It's amazing. This conversation um, is just incredible and I know you'll be blessed and learn so much from this. So yeah, get ready to take it all in. All right, welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I am super excited for this conversation. Um, it is just gold. I know there's already some pieces. I have an awesome God moment story to share with you. But before I get into it, we have a guest with us, and I want to give him the opportunity to share his name and tell a little bit about us. So if you will, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so um, my name is Kurt Bennett. And I'm probably best known for writing the book, Love Like Jesus, How Jesus Loved People and How You Can Love Like Jesus. And um, yeah, that's that's why I'm here, because uh, Julie kind of happened upon my my book somehow and uh, my story. And and so she invited me on her her most excellent podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. And I do want to. share how this came about with you guys. It was truly um, divine intervention. A friend of mine, Anita, had randomly shared with me one evening this link to a blog post that she thought I would like. And I saw Jesus and the five love languages. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do an episode. Like, let me read this right now. And I read through this article and it just really... Um, challenged me and gave me new insight into the five love languages. And if you guys aren't familiar with that, we're going to dive into it. So don't worry. Um, But first, yeah, I just wanted to share this is truly a God moment. And Kurt graciously agreed to talk with me and share with you guys um, some pretty amazing things after some intentional time. So I don't want to spoil it. We will get into it. Um, But before we start, this article was directly from a book he wrote. And called Love Like Jesus. And that's how this all came about. And I went to his website and I was like, this is amazing. And let's um, find out some more. So I read more about it. And this is a long time coming. You spent a lot of time preparing for this. So can you give us a little just overview of the book and what led to it and what it's about? Yeah. So um, I was, I, I, got this crazy idea, I guess, that uh, I, I was a firefighter and I decided I would retire from the fire department and I would start writing about God and 
um, eternity and those sorts of things. And so um, after a, a midweek Bible study, I, I caught my pastor out in the parking lot uh, one evening and I asked him, I said, well, you know, I'm, I want to transition into this new uh, vocation where I'm, I'm writing and do you have any words of wisdom for me? And he, he, with this intensity, he sort of, he looked into my eyes and he said two words, he said, study Jesus. And it was kind of weird because, um, I, I mean, on the outside I was polite, but on the inside, I'm thinking, why are you telling me to study Jesus? I, I've been attending your church for years, listening to all your sermons. And, um, and so I, I thanked him for his advice, went home and I thought about it and I thought, well, um, what do I really have to lose? And it's Jesus after all. So yeah. only good can come from studying Jesus. So, okay, I, I'll go ahead and dive in there. And I'm sort of an obsessive personality <laughs> <laughs> as you're about to find out, because for the next seven years uh, on and off, I was just diving in and studying the gospels and trying to pay particularly close attention to um, every interaction Jesus had with another human being or, or small groups of human beings. And I'm looking closely at these interactions and very methodically and meticulously. And then after seven years, um, uh, well, during the seven years, all these verses are popping out and, you know, every Christian has this experience, right? Where you, you've read a verse of 100 times and then you read it the hundred first time and it's like, wow, I, why didn't I ever see that before? You yeah, know, we all have totally. that. And so that kept happening over and over and over. And, uh, and the thing that hit me first was, um, and I'm going to read from my Bible here, uh, in John chapter 13, uh, verse 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. And two things I thought about were, uh, oh, and then, pardon me, and then the ne in the next verse, verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. And so that made me think about um, what I'm known for. And I was known for all kinds of things. Um, you know, I was super into being productive. And I, and not that there's anything wrong with being productive. I know on your, on your podcast, Julie, you talk about how to be productive. And I think that's great. Um, there's, but a I was <laughs> over the top type. I was known for being a type a list driven calendar driven. I also heard on uh, some of your podcast episodes about how, um, uh, the plan planning is great, but you have to be open to God's leading and the Holy spirit and where you're at in the moment and you have to be flexible enough to uh, change your change plan yeah. to do what you feel like uh, God is leading you to do. And so I, I didn't have that. I, I was so overscheduled and it, it just, there was no room for the Holy spirit to do anything in my life. It was just all about being productive. And um, so I'm known for being productive. I'm known for being this type A guy and arrogant, honestly, and um, not lacking humility. 
And I, I just realized I, the la- I'm big opinions. I had big opinions that I was known for. I was not known for loving people. And I was not known for loving God. And so um, that's what inspired the deep dive into um, that just made me go deeper, you know? And then mm-hmm. after, after about seven years, then I wrote the book. Wow. I know. And that's just incredible of um, that part of your personality playing, playing to um, a good side here of taking the time and being like, I am going to go through and see and just the blessing you can get out of that. And I can just imagine just study after study of each interaction that Jesus had of gaining more and more out of it. Um, Yeah, that's what it truly um, stuck out to me. I'm like, wow, I'm all about intentional living. And that is intentional, like setting it out, start to finish um, for that. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you, uh, if you were to talk to my wife, Kathy, she would tell you there's a good side to that obsessiveness. And then there's, there's another side to that obsessiveness, you know, that she lives with every day. So um, yeah, but Um, I mean, I think, I hope the book was a good thing. Yes. I just got mine. I, I will include it in the show notes, you guys to definitely check it out. Um, mine just came in a couple of days ago. I've started it and it's already incredible. I can't wait to, um, get into all of it and just, there's a lot of good takeaways. So, um, yes, definite shout out there for the book. You know, when you spend that much time with God and diving into the word, you're going to get some amazing truths out of it. Um, and that, so that brings me to this article. So you've gone through all of this, you've written the book and you have a blog Um, and you shared one of the chapters on the blog about the five love languages. And before we dive into what those are, I just want to touch on how you start out this chapter. When I first read, I was like, what? So I'm going to let him explain this to you guys. Um, it's this, I love you experiment. So please share with everyone, um, this amazing experiment that you did. Right, right. So, um, Kathy and I, we we moved from the Rogue Valley, beautiful Rogue Valley down in Southern Oregon, and we moved up to Portland, beautiful Portland, Oregon. Um, the Pacific Northwest is just so. I mean, I just, I like mountains, and so I like it here. It's and <laughs> so we moved up to uh, the Portland area, and we're in a, it. As I was in the middle of all this, um, uh, this deep dive into studying Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm looking at anything that would help me to understand how Jesus loves people. And one of the things that I came across was Gary Chapman's excellent book, um, the five Mm -hmm. love languages. And so I had read that book and I was thinking about love languages and he identifies these five primary love languages, uh, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so I, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm kind of into words of affirmation. And I think Kathy is not. <laughs> I think Kathy is more into some of these other areas, specifically acts of service and uh, receiving gifts. And so, so I, uh, I, I decided to do this experiment and I, I was also at the same time thinking about how Jesus, we it's nowhere in scripture is it recorded that Jesus said the words, I love you to anyone. 
And I was thinking about that. I'd never thought about that before. Right, right. Yeah. So I decided not to say I love you to Kathy for a week and uh, as just sort of an experiment. And so I, I mean, I'm crazy about my wife. We have a great marriage. We just celebrated our 42 year wedding anniversary just, uh, just a few weeks ago. Oh, and um, she is just an amazing person. And I just won the lottery <laughs> when, <laughs> when I married Kathy. And, and so I really have a lot of affection for Kathy and, um, but I can't, I had this self-imposed gag order, right? So I can't say I love you. And so what happened during the week is I am just doing things. I mean, I would rather, honestly, to be honest, I'd rather watch a football game than, than clean the garage or <laughs> do any kind of active service. But I, I sort of couldn't help it because I, I had this self-imposed restriction on my, you know, I'm not going to say I love you to Kathy. So, so I did some acts of service, simple things. I mean, nothing spectacular at all. I cleaned the garage and I, cleaned the kitchen and I did some things around the house and I did some things in the yard and I bought a few little gifts. Um, I bought her some flowers and it was such a great week. It was one of the best weeks of my life. And I, I really, you know, the reason it was so great is because Kathy responds to uh, acts of service and receiving gifts. And I, I can, you know, it's intuitive for me because my primary love language is words of affirmation. It's intuitive for me to, to just say, I love you and comp- give compliments and encouragement and those sorts of things. I can do that for weeks on end. And Kathy doesn't really respond to that. You know, she doesn't feel loved if I do that. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that was the experiment. And it was a very successful experiment. And I still say, I love you to Kathy, but I'm also <laughs> trying hard to um, be more oriented toward acts of service and gift giving for, for Kathy. And that was just a great moment of awareness, like taking the time to choose to pay attention. And like, I love that it was just when that option to say those words was taken away, it was just like, I have to do something like I have to share love somehow. And yeah, I just love that. And just thinking about Jesus that that is exactly how he showed love. It was always through action and doing things and whether it was in the word category, but um, just that that's what flowed out. And yeah, so that was just, I have to know though, I was so curious. Did, was she aware of this experiment? Like, did you tell her? No, no. Oh my goodness. (laughs) No, she had no idea. Yeah. I mean, she, she probably was thinking, "What? What has gotten into Kurt? He's doing all these nice things for me, you know." And, uh, and <laughs> she had no idea. Yeah, at the end of the week, uh, we talked about it, but before then, uh, I mean, during the week, I I wasn't really, I didn't share anything with her. That, that so in my mind, that would have ruined the experiment, sort of, you know. Yes. Yeah. No. Totally. I just was so curious when I read it. I was like, "Wow, that would be such a." a shift if you're used to hearing it all the time, but yeah, when you're speaking their language. Um, so I think that's a a perfect segue to, for those of you who don't know what the, what we're talking about, (laughs) these five love languages, um, it's such a powerful tool to realize how you receive love and how you share love with one another. 
Um, but I'm going to let you speak to this a little bit more if you want to share with us. Yeah, again, just kind of what this five love languages concept are. And maybe we can just kind of go over each one and and describe that a little bit. Um, and mostly like how you, this whole perspective of it, we'll start there and then talk about examples in the Bible of how you saw these play out through Jesus, which is um, so incredible. So I'm going to let you I'm going to let you take the wheel here for what these five love languages are. (laughs) Okay. So, right. So there's words of affirmation. That's the first love language. And I mentioned that already. And so, you know, saying directly to somebody, I love you or complimenting somebody or encouraging somebody, um, just positive words, words that will impact somebody's um, uh, countenance. And and it's like the, the old Mark Twain saying, um, and I quote him in my book that, that, uh, he says, I, something to the effect of, I, I can live for two months on one good compliment, you know? Yeah. So Mark Twain, apparently his, his primary love language was words of affirmation. <laughs> and then there's, um, uh, quality time. And that's just a time of intimacy. So, um, you know, an example might be my son and I gave my adult son, Gabe, he and I, we built a, an e-bike together and we, we bought this, this e-bike that's relatively inexpensive e-bike. And we spent a fortune on parts on bicycle parts. And we spent, um, weeks working on this bicycle together. And that would be an example of quality time. You're sharing a common interest with somebody. And that's um, mine as well. And I would say, yeah, sometimes it's an activity or it can just even being in the same room, like, just together. Yeah. Like yes. Just yes. want to be near you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could be reading, uh, uh Kathy and I have read a, a book and we'll take turns reading out loud to each other. Mm. Um, you know, it could be just a dinner, a quiet dinner together. Uh, if it's your quality time with your whole family could just be the family together. Quality time with a few friends could be doing some activity with a few friends or, um, a prayer meeting with a few friends. Um, yeah, so those are some examples of quality time. And then, um, receiving gifts is pretty self-explanatory, but I will say one of the things I noticed about the gift giving is that at least for Kathy, it doesn't necessarily have to be any, an expensive gift. And I, I, I just, as kind of as another, another experiment, I have gone to the dollar store and bought her gifts from the dollar store. And I bring home these gifts from the dollar store and she smiles, she lights up. <laughs> she loves these gifts from the dollar store. And I'm just, I'm amazed. It, she could bring me gifts from the dollar store and I would be like, you know, what are you thinking? What are you yeah. doing? But when I bring her gifts from the dollar store, she likes it. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be um, something expensive, although you know, it's I, I mean, thought. I don't always buy Kathy gifts from the dollar store. <laughs> I buy her gifts from other places too, of course. Um, yeah, they love the thought that you were thinking of them, I think is, yeah, on my personal thing, gifts is like the very bottom, like that's the last on my thing. But yeah, the um, that is good to bring up. Like, so if that is in your, in your wheelhouse, yeah, I think it, the root of that is someone thinking about you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And um so that, so there's receiving gifts and then there's acts of service, which, um, you know, would be, you know, doing 
chores or projects, or um, I built some um, some raised flower bed uh, raised flower beds for Kathy in the yard one year, big project, and uh, she really liked that. Or just doing things around the house, um, teaming up. Kathy, if if guests are coming over and and it's um, and we are cleaning the house mm-hmm. and it's not, she doesn't feel like she is cleaning the house and yeah. maybe she assigns me a few little things, but, um, she just feels so much more loved if I get into it and I'm enthusiastic about it and I make her feel like, yeah, we're a team and somebody's coming over and we're both going to clean the house. And, um, um, so it's not necessarily big things. Um, you know, if I were to, de- she likes the car detailed, if I were to detail the car, um, just, anything that would be helpful, um, an act of service, uh, yeah. And, and that's acts of acts of service. And so then, um, where are we? Let's see, we're at oh, physical touch, physical touch, hugs, kisses, uh, for guys shaking hands, fist bumps, high fives, uh, shugs, you know, you, I don't know if you watch sports or if your husband or your son watches sports, but you know, guys, uh, in, in, on the basketball court or the football field, they'll, they'll shake hands and do that shug thing, you know, where they're shaking and hugging (laughs) at the same time. You know, those are all uh, examples of physical touch. Um, yeah. So those are the five love languages, uh, in, you know, uh, brief descriptions of each. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I think it's so eye opening once you kind of have these, like, I encourage you guys to make a little cheat sheet, like put it in your phone or on the fridge or something, what these five are and just start paying attention um, to, yeah, like what things kind of light you up and make you feel loved or with your husband or your kids or whoever, just kind of what they seem to respond to. And it's like this magic key that like you've unlocked to be like, oh, this is how I can connect with them that they like truly feel loved. Like, like the quote, like you can say a million nice things and that's great, but it doesn't, what Gary Chapman would say would fill their love tank. Like they're still running on empty because you're not speaking their language. So yeah, yeah that's right. A, you, you, you could, you could receive, you Julie could receive a, a thousand gifts and you wouldn't feel loved because that's at the bottom of your list, right? That's what right. you said, I think earlier, right? Yeah. 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 And Gary Chapman, he says that um, if one person is trying to love another person and they're too far outside of their primary love language, then he says that that would be like um, uh, somebody talking to uh, speaking Chinese to another person who only understands English. There is just no communication happening there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just the wrong language. And so it doesn't work. And, and of course these are um, generalities and, you know, people are nuanced and there are, there are all kinds of variables here, but, but just, I think it is what you said, having that on your refrigerator as a reminder, uh, it's just super helpful. It it really can make a difference in a relationship. Yeah. And especially like you said, going outside, like being intentional with it. Like I believe my husband is words of affirmation and I've come a long way with that even as like a business owner and things like that, I need to work on it. And so I've come a long way, but that is not 
I'm very encouraging and all that to other people and it's grown and grown, but like that specific words of affirmation to like be intentional of saying like continually more than just, I love you, like saying other, um, as it says, words of affirmation, like I have to remind myself sometimes of like, okay, when's the last time I like was specific and like saying something and making sure to do that. And so, especially when it's not your love language, most of the time I would say you're probably not going to have the same one. And so it's going to take effort on your part to speak that person's love language. Um, So yeah, just to remind you, have it top of mind to like, till you get used to it of reminding yourself. Yeah. What, what they're going to respond to. Yeah, Uh that's, no, that's exactly right. And um, the thing is uh, you, you sort of have to change as a person, you know, you have to become a different person and, um, and we're part of the, uh, one of the biggest purposes, one of the things that that really hit me when I was doing the deep dive was um, how God wants us to imitate Jesus. And there's a book by um, Thomas Kempis is the author's name called The Imitation of Christ. And, and it's a great book and I would recommend it. But even though it's called The Imitation of Christ, it, there are, there's a lot of information about the inner life and um, in how uh, in some theology and some different things, it sort of touches on imitating Jesus. But that's one of the reasons I wrote my book was because I couldn't really find anything out there that Mm. addressed this idea of Jesus tells us, he commands us to love just as he loved, but there really wasn't anything out there to help you understand, well, this is how Jesus loved people. So if we're trying to become as much like Jesus as we can, that's what God wants. That's one of the reasons he put us here on earth. Then um, we should try to understand how Jesus loved people and and Jesus used all five of the love languages. Yeah. And which, this is, which was a surprise to me. Yeah. That was so fascinating as I was reading through and you're giving the accounts and I'm like, wow, this is incredible because Jesus is always looking at our hearts and like, he's looking at the core of like who we are. And so that he wants to speak straight to our heart in a way that we're going to receive it. And he went to people on their level like their playing field. And so it makes complete sense, but yeah, I would love for you to dive into some examples of, yeah, like specifically how Jesus loved people as you researched all of this. Yeah. So when I started researching this, I, I thought, um, well, acts of service, Jesus is, he, he came, he, he even says, he says, the son of man came, the son of man did not come to serve, but or did, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are all these acts of service. It's just so obvious, you know, um, he's like in the fire service, uh, we would go out and somebody had a medical emergency. And so we would, we would heal that person in a manner of speaking, you know, we would provide help to help heal that person. And, um, and that's called the fire service. And so those were acts of service and Jesus was healing people all just so often, you know, there are scriptures that say, um, a bunch of times, I think 11 times where the, the Bible says Jesus healed many and Jesus healed many. 
and mm. you know, and he healed all their infirmities or verses like that. And then there are 31 instances, specific instances of Jesus healing an individual. And so all those are acts of service. And then of course, there's the, the famous account of Jesus, the, the son of God, the light of the universe, you know, uh, the alpha and the omega, he, he takes uh, a towel and girds himself with a towel and he washes the disciples feet. And um, so that, and then he says that I've given you an example and yeah. you're to do just as I have done. Um, and, and he also says, by the way, if you do this, you'll be blessed. If you, if you follow this example, you'll be blessed, which I think just as a little bit of an aside, I think a lot of, um, a lot of Christians are unhappy or depressed or suffer from anxiety because they're not really intentionally trying to imitate Christ in the way that Jesus wants us to imitate Christ. And, mm -hmm. and he wants us to have joy and he wants us to have the big abundant life. Yeah. And, and he tells us how to have the big abundant life. And, and he yeah. gives us an example and he says, follow my example, but then we don't do it. You know, mm. we get into our own things and the busyness of life sort of yeah. overwhelms us and we're swept along and driven by our calendars and our to-do lists and, so and true. all that's lost. And then, and then we find ourselves unhappy and we're wondering why and, and, He's like, you right know. here, yeah, I the example. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If we would just do what Jesus says to do, of course, it's easier to say than it is to actually do, but uh, yes. easier to write a book about it than it is to actually do, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but still, True. you know, that's there. So, um, so yeah, so that was a famous act of service when he, when he did that for the disciples, when he washed their feet. And then the ultimate act of service when he died on the cross and took mm -hmm. on the weight of the whole world. Uh, uh, on his shoulders, the sins of the whole entire world. I mean, you know, uh, there was no act of service that, that comes close to that act of service. And, and right. that was the ultimate act of service. So I, I thought, yeah, Jesus and acts of service. Sure. Yeah. But you know, I don't know about these other, uh, love languages, words of affirmation. Nah, I don't think so, but I dive in and I start looking into into the scriptures. And here's Jesus using words of affirmation. And he's talking about John the Baptist. And he says, he's, he's, um, he's the greatest among the prophets. And he says that he's that no one born of women uh, has ever been greater than John the Baptist. And um, he talks about uh, the centurion who, who the, you remember the story hey. of the centurion who, um, Jesus was headed to his house to heal his servant. And the centurion said, no, he said, you don't, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, first of all. But second of all, you don't need to come to my house to see, heal my servant. You can heal my servant just from right where you are. You don't have to be physically present. And Jesus mm -hmm. said to the crowd that day, he said, uh, I haven't found faith, faith like this in it, all of Israel. And so more words of affirmation toward this centurion, right? And then yeah. um, uh, there's an instance where he uh, gestures to his disciples and he says to the crowd, these people, 
these disciples of mine who do the will of God, they're my family, which is just this. I mean, can you imagine Jesus gesturing to Julie Redmond and saying, Julie Redmond is my family. I mean, that's what I like think a, about in all these. I'm like, can you imagine being yeah. that person and Jesus like saying those things? Like, you're like, all right, my, my life is good. I'm done. That is yes, the ultimate. Right, like, right. <laughs> it it's not going to get any better than this. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah. So yeah, so he uses words of affirmation. I'm finding words of affirmation from from Jesus to different people. I just didn't expect that. Yeah. And and then um, uh, quality time. Then I thought, well, I'm not really. Jesus talked to crowds. You know, I'm not going to see quality time from Jesus. But then I saw that he took the took time out to explain the parables to the disciples. And when I got to thinking, thinking about it, he, um, you know, he lived with these guys for three years. They lived together. They, they worked side by side and um, they shared sleeping quarters. They ate together. They were having meals together all the time. And so some of that or some of that quality time is just going to happen organically. Just when you have that lifestyle with a group of other people but then also um, he's taking private time with them to explain the parables. And he says very plainly, he says uh, it, it happened on a regular basis because he says that um, for everybody else, I'm speaking in parables, but for you, um, I'm telling you, I'm sharing, I'm explaining, I'm giving you the mysteries of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he took uh, Peter, James and John, the three of them alone up to the mountaintop when they witnessed the transfiguration. And um, one time he was traveling through Galilee and he, it, the Bible says that he did it secretly because he was teaching his disciples and he didn't want anybody to know because he was protecting their quality time. Mm -hmm. So there, there it is, so you cool. know, quality time. Jesus is, is uh, communicating the love of God through quality time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then uh, there was um, receiving gifts because Jesus is, you know, the, uh, the disciples who were fishermen, they go out fishing and he says, yeah, throw your net over this side of the boat. And sometimes the disciples are saying, nah, you don't really know about you're, you know, you're the yeah. son of God, but you don't really know anything about fishing, Lord. And, uh, but, you know, they do it anyway and they bring in this great haul of fish and that happened twice. So he's giving them um, something materially. Something I noticed in the account of um, Judas's betrayal was that the disciples thought that Jesus may have sent Judas out to give to the poor, which um, makes it obvious to me that there must have been this regular occurrence of Jesus giving to the poor. Mm, and so yeah. he's giving materially, you know, he's giving gifts. and. Um, the other thing they thought was maybe it was a grocery run because <laughs> they, they were at a feast and, oh, well, we must run out of some food of some sort. And so they sent them <laughs> on a grocery run. Um, but so, uh, yeah, so Jesus gave gifts also. And then um, where, where are we at? If I come uh, last one, physical touch, trying to think physical touch is the last one. Yeah. So Jesus can heal remotely, right? He doesn't have to mm -hmm. touch anybody when he heals people, but he's touching everybody. Almost every time he heals someone, he touches them to do it. Even lepers, he would yeah. touch 
to heal. And so he made a point of touching people when they brought children to Jesus. Um, the, the Bible says that he, he had, he held them in his arms. And, uh, when Peter's mother-in-law was sick, he took her by the hand and, and helped her up. And so, yeah, he, he's God. He can do anything he wants. He doesn't have to touch people, but he touched people and he touched people often. So, yeah, you see yeah. all the love languages used by Jesus to communicate the love of God. And I just was fascinated by that because I really didn't expect it. I, I expected acts of service. I right. didn't necessarily expect these other these other love languages. And it just it's just so amazing to see those examples and just the depth of God's love and Jesus's love for each person, like he, that it really was personal all the time, always like he was going to interact with you in a way that would be most impactful for you. So if that as a leper, if that required touch, like that is unfathomable for like someone to touch them, to even be near them. So to go as far as actually touching them, like that had to mean more than he could have healed them from a distance and it wouldn't have had the same impact. It would have still been amazing, but that personal relationship impact that Jesus is always after, like the fact that he cared that much. So it's just so cool to see through each of these five languages and how that plays out and reaching each of us. Like, yeah, that's incredible to just see the depths of his love. Yeah. 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 The, uh, we were talking about imagining what, what something might've been like if you were there in the moment and, uh, to be a leper and to be, you know, you're having to walk around and lepers had to say outcast, unclean, outcast, unclean, yeah. so that people didn't get too close to them. That it reminds me of COVID a little bit, you know, <laughs> if you yeah. have COVID, you, nobody can touch you. You have to isolate and everything, except right. if you're a leper, this is something that lasts for the rest of your life, you know, yeah. so years and years and years of isolation and um, being shunned by society. And here comes Jesus and he reaches out and he touches the leper and what, imagine what mm. that must've been like the impact yeah. that had just, just as you said, you know, it was so personal. Yeah. It's like, I don't care what society says. This is what I have to say about you. And yeah, I just love all of the all of the examples and really the the words of affirmation in those examples too is just so interesting like why does Jesus need to affirm anyone? Like he's he's God like to take the time to be like this is incredible faith that I haven't seen and just like that compliment. I mean, we've all experienced like a compliment from someone that has just impacted that's just stayed with us. You might remember from a long time ago, it's just words are powerful, what someone said. And so, yeah, this is just so fascinating to go through each one and just have this example, as you say, this imitation um, of seeing these five love languages, a simplistic way to break it down and then seeing Jesus play that out in his life. And it makes it feel it's hard to do, but it makes it feel easier. It's like, okay, it just kind of breaks it down. Like, oh, how do I be like Jesus? Like, how do I do that? And so I feel like this is just one piece, the main, like God is love. This is the root 
of it all. And so I feel like this is such a powerful tool and a way to look at it through the lens of Jesus and being like, okay, this is how I can love like Jesus by being aware of these kind of languages and taking the time to be aware of the people around us and really speak into their language. And that's how we share Jesus. Like I just, yeah, I love this so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In Jesus, I, I don't recall Gary Chapman sharing this, but Jesus, um, it's just super obvious and it jumps out at you when you're, when you're studying how he interacted with people. Jesus had sort of a shortcut um, that I talk about in the book. And that shortcut is um, if somebody is in crisis, then that is their love language. If you can help somebody out Mm, of crisis, if you can deliver somebody out of crisis, then you know, the five love languages are, um, you don't even have to Secondary. think about the five yeah. love languages. You can just help the person out of their crisis and bam. Yeah, you know, that's you so true. Laid, right. You have communicated the love of God just in dramatic fashion. And Jesus does that over and over and over because um, during that time in that culture, I mean, if you were blind, you had no way to earn a living. If you were lame, you know, you were and you were outcast because the Jewish society, they said, you know, the, the thinking was, oh, well, you're being punished by God. You're a sinner and you're being punished by God. And that's why you're blind. And that's why you're lame. And that's why you're deaf. Um, and also they had no way to, to support themselves. And so these are people in crisis and yeah. Jesus is delivering them out of their crisis. So that is, um, sort of a universal language or a shortcut to somebody's love language. If someone's in crisis and you can help them. Yeah. Um, that's such a know, good point. That trumps everything. Yeah. If you're in it crisis mode. Yeah, yeah. The urgent need. Yeah. Do it yeah. every time. Yep. If you have the opportunity, always... if, if you have an answer for someone in crisis, do it, you know, pray about it, do it every time. <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah. like God just says, yes, go help that person every time. Uh, I don't know. That, yeah. You know, that that was something I didn't see in Chapman's book, but that's something that I saw in Jesus. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good point. And you don't have to look far to find somebody in crisis. There's always someone yeah. to help <laughs> yeah. in that regard. And um, yeah, following the leading there. Um, but yeah, this is so yeah, this is so helpful to just for us to understand the concept of these languages and how Jesus in the scripture, how he actually lived this out and is so powerful in our lives. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. And I just want to give you just kind of one more thing. If there's anything else you wanted to share about um, from the book or just your intentional seven year study, you guys like (laughs) spending that much time is amazing. Um, Yeah. I just want to give you opportunity if there's anything else that um, you wanted to share. Yeah. So um, uh, I would just say that the, I just wanted to share the differences that studying Christ made in my life. And some of the differences were, um, I, before I, before the deep dive, before the seven year deep dive, I was, I was really into my plans. I, I was goal oriented and mm-hmm. I had a, a lot of plans and I would, I would pray 
but I would approach God by asking God to help me with my plans. And then after the seven years of studying Jesus, now um, I'm going to God and I'm saying, hey, I want to help you with your plans. Yeah. <laughs> help me to become a part of what you're doing. You know, I'm, I don't have much to offer, but whatever I have, use it, you know, let me help you with your plans. I love that. Um, I'm always, I'm in that like struggle to try and always shift to that that perspective. That's always the goal. And yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, before, before studying Jesus in that intentional way, I, the other thing is I, I enjoyed becoming good at something. I enjoyed mastering something. Mm -hmm. And so I did all kinds of things. I flew a hang glider. I, uh, I used to do some distance running and enter local races. And I, played tennis and I played basketball, a, a ton of basketball. And I was always trying to become good at something. And then after studying Jesus, um, now I realized the whole point of life is to become good. You want to become good at something? You know, I feel like God is telling me and telling everyone who identifies as a Christian, you want to become good at something, become good at loving God and loving people. Mm -hmm. That is the whole yeah. point. That's the purpose Amen. of life on earth. And, and um, if you do want to become good at loving God and loving people, study Jesus and love God and love people the way Jesus loved God and love people. Be a student yeah. of Christ and learn how to love the way Jesus loved. And so, yeah, that was a big shift because, you know, oh, yeah, I want to be good at this. I want to be good at that. I want to be uh, on top of whatever the thing was. Yeah. And no, you know, you want to be good at something, be good at loving God and loving people. So, so powerful. That, that was a big change. Um, another thing was I, that I noticed about Jesus and I noticed about God was that um, they have this radical commitment to our free will. You know, Jesus was mm -hmm. never coercing anybody to do anything. He who has ears to hear here and yeah. and implied there is and if you don't have ears to hear don't hear i'm i'm not going to strong arm you or coerce you or lean on you or pressure you to hear what i have to say or to do what i am am commanding you to do that's up to you 100 yeah. that's up to you and so you see it in the like one of the things that really struck me as I started thinking about the Garden of Eden. And here in the Garden of Eden, they, Adam and Eve have the thinnest Bible in history, right? There's only one rule. Just don't eat from that one tree. That's the only thing you have to do. <laughs> Just don't eat so from easy. that one tree. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so skinny, skinny Bible. And, um, and I'm thinking about my own personality and I'm thinking about how I would approach that. And if I were God and thank God that I'm not God, but, um, <laughs> but thank God, God is God, but, but God, you know, Kurt, I would have put a fence around that tree and I would have taken strong measures to ensure that Adam and Eve never got anywhere near that tree, but God didn't do it that way. He, mm -hmm. he left it wide open. 
you know, this is what I want you to do. And if you don't want to do it, that's up to you. You know, love requires choice. So, you know, I love Kathy. um, But if I, if I locked her in the house and I said, yeah, I, you know, when we first met, yeah, I want you to be my wife and, and get in the house and I'm locking the doors and I have locks that you can't open from the inside and you're, you're, you're my captive. That's not love. There is no love in play there if, if there's no choice. So, so um, anyway, there, there are other instances in the Bible of Jesus um, giving people choices and God giving people choices and parables where Jesus um, emphasizes the way God is so radical about our free will. And I, before the seven year deep dive, I was sort of um, hung up sometimes on other people's behavior. And it didn't even have to be people in my personal life. It could be someone that I read about in the news, you know, some protesters or whatever that I disagreed with. Um, and I, I was focused on that. And I can tell you that is a recipe for depression <laughs> and disappointment. And you are not going to have a happy life if you're focused on other people's behavior. And yeah. it's also a great way to distract yourself from taking responsibility for your own behavior Mm. because you're focused, you're pointing your finger at other people all the time and sort of upset or angry or, um, you know, and so after studying Jesus, I realized, well, God doesn't want me focused on other people's behavior. God is committed to other people's free will. And I need to be committed to other people's free will in the same way. And so such a weight off my shoulders. I just let all that go. People are going to do what they're going to do. I have no control over anyone in the universe, except for me, really. Yeah. You know? And you're going to find That's out when your kids are teenagers, you're going to, you're going to learn about this <laughs> in deeper <laughs> yeah. ways. Yeah. But, um, but uh, that was a big shift for me. Now it's just like, I don't, I don't dwell on those things. I don't dwell on what other people are doing, family members, friends, people I read about. I just, you know, I'm more concerned with my own, with, I have enough problems. <laughs> I don't need to be concerned about somebody else behaving badly. I, I'm, I, I behave bad enough. Uh, I need to be who God wants me to be. And I, I need to focus on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those were, um, those were some of the changes, uh, loving people who sin differently than I do in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, um, you know, if you love people who love you back, what, what credit is that to you? Mm, Every, everybody does that. The Gentiles do that. The tax collectors do that. You know, tax collectors were, um, they were corrupt bureaucrats and anybody, anybody can love someone who loves them back. Um, he said, I want you to love people who don't love you back. And I want you to love people who, who sin differently than you do. And, and that was, um, one of the things that popped out at me was the, the parable of the unforgiving servant. He, Hmm. remember he came to the master, the master called him in and, and called in his debt. He said, Hey, you have this massive debt and I'm calling it in and you need to pay it or I'm putting you and your family in jail. And he begged for mercy and the master showed him mercy. And then he went out 
and he found someone who owed him less, much less than he yeah. owed his master. And he, he actually he put him in jail with the guy, choked the guy and had him thrown in prison because the guy couldn't pay the debt. And other servants went to the master and told the master what happened. And it didn't end well for that, yeah. for that guy in that. Wow. That just hit me because, um, if someone sinned in a similar way that I sinned, you know, I was, I was pretty okay with that. But if someone sinned differently than I sinned, then I had this self-righteous thing started going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was another big shift. I realized that, look, you know, we're all sinners. I'm a right. sinner. Every you're a sinner. Everybody's a mm -hmm. sinner. Everybody sins. And so you think that because that person sins differently than you do, you do you think that you're any less in debt to God than he is or she is? And mm, that's just yeah. not true. You know, that's just a, a really dangerous place to go. And so that was another change for me was that shift in perspective. Yeah. Wow. So many good um good takeaways it's just it's it's a journey it's, <laughs> it's a always journey. it's a journey yeah yeah oh, this to heaven will never be perfect that's for sure yeah, yeah for sure but just approaching and i just want to touch again real quick on that one it was just such a great example i'd never thought of um back in the garden how yeah it was one thing and how the tree was totally open and accessible and how from the get-go, yeah, that free will existed before sin began, really. Like, it was just yes from creation. It was always his desire. And so true love in, in all of that, just from the very beginning, not in a forceful way, and just taking the time to love each other. So I just appreciate that. Um, that perspective from, from the very start, God's design, um, love at the core is just so cool. So I hope you guys were blessed by this and just learning maybe for the first time or more info on the five love languages and just this new perspective that Kurt found after much study of just how Jesus displayed these and how this is how we can love others and love Jesus in this way. And so I just um, encourage you guys to check him out, um, get a copy of this book. I'm excited to finish it. And and yeah, let's love everyone like Jesus. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. And just kind of pouring out what you've learned through this. Oh, thank you, Julie. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I love your love your podcast and especially episode nine. Love episode nine. And I, <laughs> I, I like everything I listen to. I listen to a, a bunch of them. You're so kind. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I pray this episode gave you new insights and encouragement. Now there's no like button on podcasts, so it means literally everything. If you scroll down and take a moment to leave a review and don't forget to bless your fellow moms and friends with these takeaways by sharing on social and of course, tag me so I can see what's helping you. And as always, check the show notes for any helpful resources that I mention. All right, go check some boxes.